Good morning. Uh, they had to give me a little bit of warm water because still recovering. Hopefully it will help. So it's nice to see you this morning. And before we share a few thoughts, I'd like uh, uh, Ben to read for us uh, John chapter 17. John chapter 17. Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me, to do and now father glorify me in your own presence with the glory that i had with you before the world existed i have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out to the world yours they were and you gave them to me and now and they have kept your word now they know everything that you have given me is from you for i have given them the words that you gave me and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world but for those whom you have given me for they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine and I have glorified in them and I am no longer in the world but they are in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father keep them in your name which you have given me that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was while I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you when these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for those only, but also for those who will believe in me through, the, through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me. Uh, the glory that you have given me, I have not, I have given to them, that they may be, <coughs> sorry, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, <coughs> to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though 
The world does not know you, I know you, and these know, these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Thank you, Ben. Shall we pray? Lord, we thank you this morning for the privilege to look into your word. We pray that you will help me uh, to be able to communicate clearly the things you have us learn. And I ask for understanding for the people that are here, that they will be impacted by your word. For blessing for everyone, I pray for those that don't know Jesus as their Savior, that today will be their day of salvation. And for those that know the Lord, that they will be encouraged in their walk. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> All right. Three words that should keep us strong and going. A, a little true story. Date January 3rd, 1956. Place Shelmera, southeast of, I think it's Quito, Ecuador. The hour, early morning. Five men, young men, whose names have become legend sat quietly and uh, praying in somber whisper tone. Their prayers would prepare them for face-to-face -face encounter with the unreached Oka Indians deep in the interior of Ecuador. Their names are Jim Elliott, Nat Saint, Ed Macaulay, Pete Flemings, and Roger he has to forgive me, you Darin. When the moment of departure arrived, the men began to sing a hymn they had come to love loudly together. And by the way, you can find that hymn. It's number 159 in a uh, chorus book, if you have it. And uh, one of the stanzas says, We rest on thee, our shield and our defender. Thine is the battle, thine shall be the praise. When passing through the gates of holy splendor, vi victors we rest with thee through endless days. Minutes later, <coughs> their plane was airborne, deep. Days later, all five men were dead. Their lifeless bodies found floating on the Kurari River in Oka Territory. These brave five men left behind a legacy. But they also left behind five widows who needed courage, hope, and faith to go on without their husbands. Their names are Elizabeth Elliot, Olive Fleming, 
Mary sent, I think Mary Lou Macaulay and Barbara Yadure. Now, more than 20 centuries earlier, another group sat around a table. Only one of them knew he was destined to die. His name has also become legend. Jesus of Nazareth. We are told in Matthew chapter 26 verse 30 that when it was time to leave the room, they sang a hymn. We don't know what song they sang. One man, John, recorded what was spoken that night. The message that Jesus gave to the 11 disciples that he was leaving behind. That message is recorded in the John chapter 13 to 17. And you recall, I have spoken on this passage twice. I took a detour from Kings and came to John. I'll be back to Kings because my daughter told me that Kings is where you plan to be. So make sure you go back. So I'll be back. So tonight, today, will be the last time we'll speak on John. Uh, for now. <laughs> um, so that message is recorded for us in John chapter 13 to 17. In the 16th chapter of his gospel, we find Jesus' final words of preparation as he sought to prepare his disciples to face life without the one they love being with them physically. I have spoken twice on this subject, on this chapter. And today I'd like to give one more message and then hopefully we can move on from there. Now I want you to note that John is a gospel that is written with a purpose. John is a gospel that is written with a purpose. And uh, what is the purpose of John? you don't mind, you can turn with me to John chapter 20, verse 30. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So the purpose of the book of John is stated clearly by the writer so that you and I will believe. In other words, if you hear, read John and you don't believe, to some extent, you've missed the mark. It's not an interesting story. You know, just to be learned about that. So that you may believe. Why do you need to believe? Or what do you need to believe? You need to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Why? So that you may have life. 
what John is saying is this, that if all the life you are thinking of is this physical life, then you are really not living. You need to have life in Jesus' name, eternal life, life that goes on with God forever. But John chapter 13 to 17, the message there is also given with a purpose. And I'd like you to turn with me to John chapter 16. When Jesus was speaking to the disciples, he had a purpose in mind. And he states his reason for talking to them. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus gives the reason why he spoke to the disciples that night. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that it me, that in me you may have peace. The reason why he spoke to the disciples was so that they may have peace. In him. Why? In the world, you will have tribulations. In the world, tribulation. In me, peace. I'm telling you this so that you may have peace in me. But his final word to them was the word of victory. He says, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. On his way to the cross, that's what he told them. That's the final word that Jesus said to the disciples in that private meeting before he went to the cross. Now, let's um, like to give you three things so that you don't forget I have three things that you need to remember in the message that he delivered. The first one is the word joy. Joy. The second one is the word love. And the last one is peace. In me, you may have peace. That's the purpose of John, uh, or the message from John chapter 13 to 17, so that we may have peace. Three words, joy, love, and peace. Those will be the theme of my message this morning. And I will find them from, that, uh, from John chapter 16 shortly. He gave them the message so that they may have peace in him. Peace is extremely important. Extremely important important. The disciples were confused that night. When Jesus spoke to them that he was living, they were confused. And so he gave them the message so that they might have peace. But before I get to that, I want to highlight something else because uh, Sam uh, Ben read. Jesus did two things that night with his disciples, two main activities. The first one is that he gave them the word. The second one is that he prayed. The two main activities of the believer, the word of God and prayer. The apostles in Acts said we will give ourselves continually to the 
word unto prayer. And John chapter 17, which was read, is the longest recorded prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he had three main themes in his prayer. He prayed for himself. He prayed for the disciples that were in the room. And he prayed for all believers. So those were the three main themes in the prayer. Praying for himself, he asked God to glorify him with the glory that he had with him in the beginning. That was the theme of his prayer. Praying for the disciples, he prayed that they are going to be in the world. In fact, in John chapter 17, the word, the world is mentioned 19 times when Jesus was praying. In the book of John itself, the world is mentioned at least 89 times. It could mean people. It could mean uh, a system of values that is not, that doesn't line up with God. But Jesus prayed for his disciples that they will be in the world, but not of the world. And it says the world will hate them, but that God should keep them from the evil one. And he prayed that they will be one. And he also prayed for us that we might be one. That was what he prayed in John chapter 17. 17. The final words of his prayer. Or prayer to us. John 17 from verse 1 to 24. Is the longest recorded prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. For himself. For the disciples in the room. And for us. So. He must consider prayer important. That was after speaking to them. So I've mentioned the three things. Joy, love, and peace. The disciples were afraid because Jesus was leaving. They were sorrowing. They were unsure about some of what Jesus was teaching them. And in John 16.33 it says, I am telling you this so that you may have peace. I look up a few translations. The New King James said, In me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Be of good cheer. The Living Bible says, In me you have peace. And in the world you have trials and sorrows. So cheer up. I've overcome the world. And, you know, the ESV says, take heart, have overcome the world. And um, the message says, take heart, have conquered the world. And uh, another translation says, take courage. So Jesus is our peace. That's the essence of the message that was given there. You see, peace is a virtue that brings the most satisfaction. It is the relief that most people look for. The deepest sense of comfort and reassurance comes when we have peace. And that's why when you read, for example, in Romans chapter 5, it says, having been justified by faith, 
the very first thing that happens is that we have peace with God. And once that peace is established, a relationship goes on and then we can relate freely. I'm sure if you are not at peace with me, you find it difficult to talk with me. But once peace is established, you know, you can communicate freely with me. And in the scripture, when you see the word peace, it's shalom. It means wholeness, completeness, health, security, even prosperity in the true sense. So Jesus is the one that gives us wholeness, completeness, prosperity in the true sense. You need him, just like the disciples needed him that night. People want to have peace on a regular basis. Sometimes even nations want to have peace. I'm sure it's it's a little bit, uh, if not that it's a serious matter, it's a little bit laughable when you think of United Nations, for example. I don't know if you know their mission statement or their purpose. It's centered around peace. It says this, our purpose is to maintain international peace and to that end to take effective collective measures for the prevention and removal of threat to peace. And in over 350,000 years of recorded civilization, there have only been 286 years without wars. So people are always hungering and looking for peace. But for the believer, we have the peace that passes all understanding, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And that's why that night he spoke to disciples, he said, in me you will have peace. Peace with God, peace on a daily basis, because I will supply it to you. So the Lord Jesus is our source of peace. I want to stress that. In Christ, there is peace. In the world, there is trouble. The believer in Christ can therefore have peace. In Jesus Christ, we have all the resources that we need to have peace. And Verse 33 again. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. It's almost like you should count on it. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Now, peace is the first item. Isaiah 26 verse 3 to 4. It tells us how to keep peace. And I like this verse. Like David Hansen says, this was stamped in my head when I was in college. And I think it was from the King James translation that it was stamped. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusts in thee, trust in the Lord forever. Because in the Lord, God is peace. So, 
The Lord Jesus spoke to disciples in John chapter 16. And three, I want to highlight three things there, and then I'm done. I've already started with the peace because I thought that's the most important. I should start from that end, and then I will highlight the other two. So please go with me to John 16. John 16, from verse 16. He's been preaching to them in my Bible. The whole of John 15 is read later. Most of John 16 is is read later. That means Jesus has been speaking. So in verse 16, he says this to the disciples, A little while, and you will see me. And again, a little while, and you will see You will not see me because I go to the Father. Then some of the disciples said among themselves, What is this that he's saying to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again a little while and you will not see me. And because I go to the Father. They said therefore, What is this that he says a little while? We do not know what he is saying. Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him and he said to them, are you inquiring among yourself about what I said a little while and you will not see me and again a little while and you will see me? Most assuredly I say to you that you will weep and lament but the world will rejoice and you will be sorrowful but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. I will see you again. Christ's main desire was to give the disciples hope. To lift their eyes from the tragedy to the glory of his impending departure. But they simply did not understand. So Jesus gave them words that they could hang on to. Words that they could find reassuring. And he wanted them to have at the back of their mind that grief and sorrow won't have the last word, but joy will. Joy will. They were sorrowful, they were confused, but he was going to give them joy. Joy that lasts forever. Joy that no one can take away. And what was he saying when he said that? He lifted their eyes up to let them see that joy is coming. Now what was supposed to be the source of their joy? In verse 23 he says, Therefore you now have sorrow, but I will see you again. And your heart will rejoice. And your joy will No one takes from you. The joy Jesus provides is permanent. Nothing 
and no one can take it away. Why? Because Jesus lives forever. The disciples' joy will be endless. No one, not the persecutors, not the murderers can take away their joy. No one can take away our joy as believers as well. When we understand that the Lord Jesus, even though he was on the way to the cross to die, he was also going to conquer death. He was also going to come back again. That's why he said, I will see you again. And you will rejoice. And I read this morning earlier on that when he met Mary Magdalene, the words that came out of his mouth was rejoice. That's what Jesus said. In fact, you can turn with me just so that you will see that that's what it says in Matthew chapter 28. When the women were looking for him in Matthew chapter 28, They went to the tomb after Christ had been killed and buried. Verse 5 says, But the angel answered and said to them, Women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead, and indeed is going before you to Galilee. Verse 8 says, So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring the disciples' word. And as they went to tell the disciples, behold, Jesus made them saying, Rejoice. That's what he told them, Rejoice. Because the Lord Jesus lives forever, the joy he gives lasts forever. No one can take away that joy because no one can kill him again. He lives forever. Is the reason for joy. No opposition or criticism or dislike from the world should make the believer to be sad. We have a Savior that lives forever. And he says the joy he gives, no one can take away. And you know what? In Romans chapter 8, verse 38 to 39, it says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He gives permanent joy. And to me, that's a great thing. The disciples could rejoice because their Savior will return. The disciples could rejoice because they have access to God directly. If you read the next verse in chapter 16. The disciples could rejoice because they had a living Savior. And you just need to go to the book of Acts to see that this is true. That when they got in and then they started talking, their message was, he lives. 
There's nothing you can do to us. There's nothing you can do to him. Well, when Peter preached in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, he mentioned the fact that the Savior is serving leaves. Acts chapter 2 verse 24. And Acts chapter 2 verse 33 says the same thing. When he preached in Solomon's porch, in Acts chapter 3 verse 15, he mentioned the fact that he was serving a risen Savior. And when they arrested them, and then told them, don't preach again. He said, well, we can't stop because our Savior lives. When they were before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4 verse 10, he mentioned the fact that the Savior they serve is risen. And when he was on trial before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 5, again he mentioned the fact that Jesus lives. When he was preaching to Cornelius in his house, about the message of the gospel. He mentioned the fact that the Savior they are serving is risen. And when Paul was in Mass East pre- preaching, he mentioned the fact that Jesus lives. Of course, the big word is the resurrection. But the idea is that the Savior lives forever. And so he gives permanent joy. We serve a living risen savior time doesn't permit for us to sing i would have go i serve a risen savior you know there's a chapter there that a verse that says rejoice rejoice O christian because our savior lives my good friend david hansen loves to say death is swallowed up in victory i like that word swallowed up by the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's a reason for joy. The Lord Jesus lives for, forever, and that's a reason for joy. That's what he wanted the disciples to rejoice because he lives forever. And it's also a reason for us to rejoice. There's one other point that he made to them. And let's read from verse 25 of John 16. Verse 25 says, these things I have spoken to you in figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you. Because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. He reminded the disciples of something. That God himself loves them. If you are a child of God, somebody will say, somebody up there loves you. God's love is true for you as it was true for them. So I need to assure you that God's love is true for you. No matter how rough the fight, his acceptance is certain. 
I want to remind you that God loves you if you are his child. And you can become his child. The Lord Jesus reminded the disciples, he said, the father himself loves you. Wanted them to remember that they are loved. And you know, being assured of God's love, God's love does wonders to us. See, I am so glad that our Father in heaven tells of his love in the book he has given. Wonderful things in the Bible I see. This is the dearest, very personal, that I am loved. To me, that's great because they make up the whole universe. When the psalmist thought about it, he says, what is man? When I consider the heavens and all the things you've made, what is man that you are mindful of us? The Lord loves us. In Romans chapter 8 from verse 31 to 37, it says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He that did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? He says, what is it that will separate us from God's love? He listed so many things that people think should separate us from the love of God. Persecution, tribulation, distress, famine, nakedness, or whatever. In verse 37, he said, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him that loved us. The Lord loves you. And we need to remind yourself of that. When you feel down and you feel distressed, you feel that the whole world is against you. The disciples needed to remind themselves often that they are loved by the love that counts, the love of God. And so if you are a child of God, you need to remember that you are loved by God. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Our brother David Mark gave the song this morning. He didn't know how appropriate how deep the Father's love for us. Vast beyond all measure that he should make us rich is treasure. So the Lord loves us. He loved the disciples. He wanted them to be reminded that God loves them. When they are being persecuted by the world, they should never forget that they are loved. When they are being persecuted by the world, they should never forget that they serve a risen Savior, so there is reason for joy. And he wanted them to be certain that all their joy and love comes from him and that they have peace that no one can take away. Now, to remind you of the three things, joy, love, and peace. Actually, if you read Galatians chapter 22. Those are the first three fruits of the Spirit mentioned. 
those are the things that I mentioned. So the Lord loves you. And that's a reason for tremendous joy. Friends, there is peace in knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you don't know him, in fact, I don't think you can have peace. Because when you lack peace with God, every other thing is transient. That's why you need the Lord Jesus Christ. This reason you need him is that you need peace. Peace with God. And I like to appeal to you if you are not a believer, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord. As long as you are aware and you know that you are a sinner and you need a savior, Jesus is available to save you. And I hope you will take that opportunity you know, to come to him as your savior. When he showed up, I mentioned earlier that when he showed up with Mary Magdalene, he said, rejoice. If you go to John chapter 20, when the room was locked and he showed up before the disciples, what was his words? Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And then he went on as, my father has sent you, so Send me, so I send you, but peace. So Jesus gives joy that no one can take away. His peace endures forever. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. That means we are in the right team. It doesn't matter what the world thinks. We are in the right team. And we are in the right path. We're going to wrap up now. But there's a song that captures all I've been saying in three stanzas or four stanzas. It's titled In Christ Alone. In Christ Alone. So we are going to sing In Christ Alone. But I'll pray first and then we will sing. And it's a personal song because it says in Christ alone, my hope is found. I appeal to you that if this is not the case for you, won't you make him your hope? And then he goes on to talk about peace. It goes on to talk about resurrection. He goes on to talk about love. And he goes on to, you know, all of that. So pay attention to the words as we sing in Christ alone. So let's pray, and then we will sing. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus Christ. The reason for joy, the one that gives abundant peace, and the one that links us to the Father. We thank you for his great love that caused him to lay his life for us. We pray that as we face trials, tribulations, circumstances that you will draw us back to these words, these words of yours, that we might find application in the fact that you live forever and so no one can take away our joy. We pray that you will help us to meditate on you so that we may have peace. We pray for those that don't know you as their savior, that they may surrender their life to you
and make you their law. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So in Christ alone, standing as you are able, we will sing.